0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey, gang. This is Kelly Hansen, also known as Kelly Girl. I'm Dave Hansen's wife, your saltwater guide's wife. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We are going to, or I'm going to, ask David... All those questions that you're dying to know about, what makes him qualified to tell everyone how to fish and how to tie up your boat? Um, Why is he he so, where does he get all this sarcasm from and why? (laughs) Where did he begin his career? How did he start out in the the industry, in the sport fishing industry? Um, So we're going to learn a lot about Dave today. It's going to be a good show and uh I think it's time to introduce the guy that's been around the block not once not twice I don't even know how many times way too many times but here is David Hansen also known as your saltwater guy and my husband thank
2: you baby thanks for bringing me in gang welcome <laughs> welcome 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 here we go we're gonna have a good show for you today we got the world famous Kelly girl running the interview today. I'm just going to sit back and answer some questions for my beautiful wife. And she is poised to ask some phenomenal questions. So instead of me being the interviewer, Kelly girl is going to be the interviewer. And don't forget tomorrow we have the great Rick Maxa from Let's Talk Hookup and Fisherman's Landing Tackle going to join us live here. For a great interview with Rick Maxa. We got a lot of tackle questions all of us want to know about, all the latest trends and what's going on. So Rick will be here to answer all those questions. And then also gang, today is Roasted Coffee. Roasted Anchor (laughs) Coffee Company Thursday. We always talk about, we have some prizes to give away today. We have a, uh, we have a grab bag of swag from Promar Ahi USA. And then we also have the The free bag of coffee to give away, and we'll do that a little later in the show, but take it away, Kelly, girl. Here we go. All
1: right. Well, let's see. Well, I think we're going to start off with the basics. Where where are you from? Where were you born? Where did you live growing up as a child?
2: All right. Thanks, baby. (laughs) I grew up in San Clemente, California. I was born at South Coast Hospital in Laguna Beach, California. Back in those days, that was... Pretty much the only hospital there are up at Hogue Hospital. My mom and dad from San Clemente. My father moved to uh, San Clemente from Iowa in 1936 or 37, mm-hmm. and then my grandfather brought him out here because of uh, the great drought in mm-hmm. in uh, Iowa. So they didn't have anything to do there. So my grandfather came out here and was meat cutter at the El Toro Meat Market. Oh, wow. And back when there was all dirt roads and they had a real bull out in front of the meat market at El Toro. And that's where my grandpa started. And my dad, you know, a lot of you know who my dad is, but there's a lot of people on here that don't. They know I'm the smart a-hole that's (laughs) always doing interviews and talking and trying to teach people how to do stuff. But I started out in San Clemente as a little boy Going to Las Palmas Elementary School. Mm -hmm. And then, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but when I was in kindergarten at Las Palmas Elementary School, they decided that I needed to go to some type of a private school with some uh, rules and some discipline because I was kind of out of control. You! You! Yeah. Out of control. You kidding control. me? When
1: you were in kindergarten?
2: Yeah, I was kind of out of control when I was a little boy.
1: Why do I hard not believe? That hard to believe because you're apparently it didn't do much good to go to a different school or whatever because you're <laughs> still out of control and you're still just way out there. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> but I love you. But anyway, so so what happened? So you? I went had to school. Go to, my
2: mom and dad sent me to Catholic school, so I went to Our Lady of Fatima in San Clemente, California, and. Uh, But before that, there's so much to do with my childhood. My dad was a fisherman. He's a grinder. He was a gnarly fisherman, gone all the time, always gone, working, building the business on the end of the San Clemente Pier. And I remember when I was three years old, my mom taking me, telling me that we're going to go see my dad down on the end of the pier. And uh, I can still remember right now. My mom put my shoes on as I was sitting in the kitchen to go down and see my dad. And I didn't even know what fishing boats were. I was three years old. I just remember we got back in those days. My dad was kind of the boss on the pier and uh, we got to drive our car out on the pier. And my dad was running double half day back then on the sump fun out at San Clemente Pier. And we drove out to the end of the pier and. It was a big day for my father, too, because I'm the oldest yeah. son, and he was bringing his son out on the boat mm-hmm. on the afternoon half day, and he pulled the boat up to the pier, and it that tide was high, I remember. <laughs> Why do I remember that? Because I could see my father in the wheelhouse
1: mm-hmm.
2: as the boat would go up <laughs> and down the waves on the pier, and then...
1: Aww.
2: That was a pretty special time as a little boy, and uh I'm trying not to lose. I don't even know what's wrong with me. But, yeah, so that's how it kind of started. And then, I, you know, I did that. And I don't remember the fishing trip or anything. That's the only highlights I remember of that day was seeing the old man in the wheelhouse on the some fun. And then uh, back to when I went to school. I went to Our Lady of Fatima School in San Clemente Catholic School. First grade to eighth grade, the school's still there. Our Lady of Fatima is still in San Clemente. I went to school with the same 35 kids from first grade to eighth grade. We had our core group, David Powell, Mark Lesneski, Jim Smatona, Karen Omeliak, Joanne, Colleen. A lot of the guys and girls went to school all together. We were like a core group from first grade to eighth grade. And my mom was the proctor at the school, so everyone knew my mom. Wow. And then uh, when I left in 1976 to go to San Clemente High School with everybody, mm-hmm. that exact same time my mom got super sick. <sighs> I wasn't going to do this.
1: I know. I'm surprised but... This is so you, my, part of your
2: life. <laughs> so my mom got really sick with brain cancer, and it was a really weird time in my life because I went to school with the same 35 kids, and then all of a sudden, San Clemente High School at that time, there was over 200 kids at the school. And uh, wow, it was a very, very heavy time in my life for me. And I was uh, wow. trying to deal with all that, plus my mom, plus... Uh, Things weren't going well at at the home at the time, wow. and uh, everything was just piling up. It was a crazy time in my life, and that was one of the things that helped shape me and make me the person that I am today. Because that was a real thing that happened. But at the same time, my dad, being who he is and being smart, he thought that would be a good time for me to come down to. At that time, we had moved the operation to Danhorn Sport Fishing. Mm-hmm. We My dad moved his operation from the San Clemente Pier to Dana Point in 1971. And this was 76. So he was pretty established in the harbor by then. And then I remember he, I was 13 years old. And he told me I could start working in the office in the morning with him because he would open the office at four o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then they would rent the fishing poles to the people when they would go out on the three-quarter day boat. So we would get there. Four 4.30 probably in the morning we'd start our day and I was 13 years old and I remember how exciting it was to go with my dad to work on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I... When I would wake up in the morning and it would be light out, mm-hmm. I would start crying because that meant that my dad didn't oh, take me to work with left, him. He, left he right? already left oh. because I know... As a dad, I know as a father, it's kind of gnarly to take your kids to work with you every day. And I'm sure you got a bunch of flack for doing that from everybody. Because And I'm
1: sure you weren't the most well-behaved.
2: Well, you got to remember also, we're not really, children aren't really into getting up at four o'clock yeah. in the morning to go right. to work. So it was a struggle. I remember my dad always saying, throw some water on your face. I'm like, the last thing I want to do it four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and just throw water on my face.
0: I just want to, just
2: want to get in the, the car and kind of sit there and keep my mouth shut. Cause those of you that know my dad or knew my dad back in the day off the pier, he was gnarly. He was gnarly, super disciplinarian. he was, he had his stuff was his way. He was the captain. He was the boss. And that's kind of how he ran the family too. So it was gnarly. I have a brother and a sister, Donna and Michael, and uh, they run the, sport fishing operation for my dad down in the harbor now we lost my father last year but i'm telling you he, it was tough mm-hmm. growing up handsome. it was not an easy my dad didn't didn't hand feed me anything i worked
1: uh-huh.
2: and i remember those days when i was 13 years old renting the fishing rods in the you had a little card that people filled out, you got their driver's license. So this
1: was in the office.
2: Yeah, in the, the office. office. I didn't work on the boat. We yeah. started out in the office. All right. And then in the afternoons you could I could come down there in the afternoons after school and work cleaning the on um, during the week. On the weekends I could work in the mornings and on the weekdays I could work in the afternoon after school because had to go to school,
1: Right. but
2: we'd get out of school at three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I could go to the Harbor if my mom would take me okay. and then we would clean the rent rods Oh, and then you'd clean the rent rods and then you'd run all the line off and wind it back on nice and straight and tie a hook and a little weight on it, put it up on the rack and get the rent rods ready for the next morning. And that's how I started working for my dad at Dana Wharf Fishing and, Oh my god, nineteen seventy six. Seventy yeah, seventy six. So this was
1: about what grade were you in?
2: Ninth grade, eighth grade, okay. eighth grade, ninth grade. That's when I started working on.
1: Okay. So tell us, tell us about there was an incident that happened with you when you were it was around this time, I believe, when you were going to school. Something happened. Maybe it was later on in later on, but I think something happened to you while at school and you uh, you couldn't you got into some
2: yeah, I don't think we... There's no, a lot of children watching. No. There's a lot of kids watching. No. I was a very bad, bad boy back in the day. I was a bad boy and I got caught with a lot of contraband that I should not have had at school.
1: Damn. And I was
2: asked to never come back to the school system in the state of California. I
1: think that's pretty significant. And uh,
2: <laughs> I was... A, you know, I had really hard time because everything was so tumultuous in my life and... Right. and with the mom being sick yeah. with cancer and my dad is a grinder as a fisherman as never being at the house. Just,
1: you were kind of the head of the I house. I just kind of ran right?
2: amok. Yeah. I just kind of ran amok. You and, were in
1: charge though at home, kind of, right? I mean, well, whatever the <laughs> a 13 year
2: old can be in charge of Yeah. my little brother, little sister and me, it was kind of a poop show.
1: So I bring, I brought that incident up because how did that, what did that, how did that shape you or how did that, you know what did you do? Like- well,
2: my father was super upset, so he decided at that time that I was just going to work mm-hmm. there was there's no free ride here there's no free ride with my dad. my dad didn't doesn't believe in a free ride thing. He makes sure that you work everybody works, just like all that you that worked for my father for all the years that are watching this. There's a lot of people here that watch us on a daily basis that you can vouch for me, my dad was not was a no nonsense type mm-hmm. of person, and he didn't give me any free ride and I hear people say, "Oh, you were born with a silver spoon, and well, shit, I wish I would seen that silver spoon. I never saw it not that it's a bad thing i mean he he put a work ethic in me like you can't comprehend, and I worked very, very hard for a very long time, and I grinded just like he taught me to grind, but uh, I remember in the office. When I was 13 years old, almost 14, and Oscar Simon had a boat called the Cypeleris at the harbor at the time. And that one morning, he didn't have a deckhand. His deckhand nose showed him. Mm -hmm. And I was renting rods, and there was no one else in the office. It was me, Jody, and my dad. And uh, my dad said, hey, you're going to go work for Oscar today. I never worked on a boat my whole life. I didn't pay attention. I was a dumb little kid. Knew everything. Remember, I'm the owner's son, so I already know everything. I no one needs to teach me anything. I'm 13 too. Remember, 13 year olds are super intelligent. (laughs) So I got thrown on the Cypheras to go three quarter day fishing, and I think we caught like 400 fish that day: bass, barracuda, bonita, and at the end of the. And I didn't know how to take a fish off. I didn't know how to tie a hook. I didn't know nothing. Although I would tell you I knew everything. I knew nothing at the time. And I remember Oscar was so disappointed and just Aww. out of his mind because here I am. I'm just kind of there. And he he had to do everything. And then I had to drive the cyclers back to the harbor because I couldn't cut a fish. I didn't know anything about cut, flaying a fish. <laughs> so Oscar had to flay all the fish on the way back oh to the harbor. It was pretty a crazy time. And then 15, 14 and a half 15, John Haas had a boat called the Fury 2. It's called the Fury now. Marcus owns it. But uh, at the time, it was called the Fury 2, and John Haas ran San Clemente Island every day, except Mondays were days to stay in and do maintenance. And I remember my dad and John Haas talked, and I'm sure... John wasn't real happy about it. But for some reason, I got to work on the boat on the Fury when I was 15 years old as the deckhand. Me and uh, Mark Ida Miller and a guy named Del Madden and John Haas. And we were the crew on the Fury. And then a guy named Hans Schmelt, who stayed here at our house, he worked on the boat for a little while with us. But I would fish. I would work on the boat. say, fish, we worked. We'd leave at midnight, and we'd get back at 6 or 7 o'clock And then we get the bunk room cleaned up, get the boat cleaned up, throw some ice on the boat, some some fuel on the boat, and then go right back out again at 15 years of age. I don't know your kids. They probably (laughs) have a way better work ethic than I did at the time, but we worked about 16, 18 hours a day, five days. Or six days a week wow. with Mondays off. That was just the way it was. There was no rotating crews back then. There was nobody. Me and Mil- oh me and Mark Ida Miller with the deckhands, and John and Dell Madden. Jo- Dell was the second operator, and John was the captain. And that was just the way it was. And I don't remember much rotating days off and all that stuff. <laughs> I know that when Mark got his captain's license, then Hans came in, and Dell and Hans. The Dell and Mark would run the boat, and Hans and I would work the deck. That was how I started working full time on the boats back in nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight, and uh, yeah. I so, was
1: six years old. <laughs> so yeah, well, I
2: wasn't much older. I just, but that's what was going on back in those days. That's that's how it was. Yeah. There was no there was no labor laws. Everybody you talk to, all the people I interview. They'll tell you they all started out as pinheads working on the boats. And you did anything you could to kind of get a job on the boat. You would do anything to be the deckhand. And then to be the deckhand on an overnight boat fishing San Clemente Island, that was a big, big deal. And it was. And I took it as a big deal. And it it was a big deal. And it was a cool time to grow up. It was a fun way to work and learn a work ethic and learn San Clemente Island. So... Yeah, when you look at my website and you go, hey, how does this guy know so much about Clemente? Well, I started fishing there in 1977 every day but Mondays. Uh, not that I knew anything because I was just a deckhand and I didn't pay attention. And I still had that little contraband problem going on back in those days too. So I didn't pay a lot of attention. Let's just be honest. So one thing I could promise you kids is stay in school. It's not a thing to do. Not, don't do it the hard way. Don't do it the way Captain Dave did. Stay in school. Yeah. But uh,
1: but you know now the the importance of it. So it is important to stay in school. <laughs> right.
2: But I'll tell you what. My very first job working on the boats wasn't working for my father. And my father had a bunch of boats at the time. But we had a very crazy relationship, him and I.
1: You were a lot alike.
2: Too much alike, I think, because it was gnarly. But he... He allowed he allowed to open some doors for me to get me jobs on other boats at the time, like John Haas. Mm-hmm. Then I came back to work for Wharf Sport Fishing in uh, seventy nine and eighty. Mm-hmm. I was working on the Real Fun with uh, Jack Bandy, and then I went to work on the Clementi with Doug Harmon and George Clough and Max Bosler mm-hmm. and him. At- we were the crew on there. It was pretty fun times. And uh, Todd Manzer was always hanging around as a little kid. I, t- I'm, I'm like eight years older than all the Groms. We call him Groms. Todd's an old man with, <laughs> with grandkids. But back in those days, he was a little kid. But we all worked down there in the harbor. And, you, and I very, very rarely worked for my father. And then in uh, 83, I got to start working for Mike Thompson on the uh, patrician at the time and my good buddy kenny smith spider he was working for mike thompson and there was there was a migratory boat and they would go to san diego and fish albacore in the summertime they would leave on the fourth of july and go down there and fish and they needed some relief help and i always begged spider to get me on there let me let me work on there let me work on there (laughs) and finally he called me up one day and back then there was no cell phones you got to landline phone and kenny called me up and said hey we need someone to work tonight in san diego yeah. and so i was so excited i remember driving down there and going albacore fishing little did i know that that one day i showed up ended up being 28 days in a row wow. those of you that do that all the time you understand this was a long time ago and then i worked for mike thompson for a very for probably six years learned a ton He's probably been my biggest mentor as far as fishing goes. And, uh, was, what it, it, was
1: it easy to work for?
2: No, he's one of the most gnarliest people in the world to work for. They call him Wiggy for a reason. The guy is, was, he demanded like my father, he just demanded perfection, nonstop, whatever that was in his mind, that was his perfection. And it, and it was crazy times back in those days, working, doing what we did. And, uh,
1: you used to fillet, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you would fillet. How many fish would you, like, just approximately, how many fish did you have to fillet when you were doing that? Um, well, when like, I was
2: working for uh, Jack Bandy, that's probably when I first started really learning how to fillet fish, and we would catch, we had 44 people a day on there, and we carried 44 people every day, and we would catch 440 sand baths. We would catch probably another 100 to 150 Barracuda, probably 50 or 60 Bonita, a handful of Yellowtail every day. Every day. And the boat would get in at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So we would leave the area at like one 2 o'clock and drive up to uh, Dana Point Harbor. And you had to fillet the fish in that time. Yeah, And then you couldn't come into the harbor and fillet fish. Because you couldn't come in there throwing the guts and the carcasses in the water and having all the seagulls. So you had to fillet all those fish on the boat. All the people were waiting for you to fillet oh the my fish. Gosh. And back in those <laughs> days, you filleted a fish, you got a quarter for a fish. A quarter? 25 cents oh is what we got for a fish. So if you filleted four fish, you got a dollar. And then remember, the dollar was split three ways. So...
1: Gosh...
2: That's But back then, I think gasoline was like $0.40 cents a gallon or $0.55 cents a gallon or something. It, the, everything's relative. Right. But but we, you filleted
1: a ton of fish. I mean, like, I can't, when, you, when I first learned that about you, I just could not even imagine.
2: Back in those days, we filleted a lot of fish, but I had not seen anything mm-hmm. about filleting until I went to work on the Patricia mm-hmm. with Mike Thompson, and we were fishing rock cod on the weekends, and we'd fish the Cortez or the Tanner Bank. And back then, you guys could have 15 rock cod per person. And uh, on a two-day trip, that meant 30 fish per person. We carried 20 people. And all the rock cod were like four and five, six pounds. And we were still only getting a quarter for a fish. It didn't matter the size. Nothing mattered back then. It was a fish. There wasn't a special charge for a cow cod or a ling cod or a red. It was quarter of fish and we would stand at the fillet board we would start filleting fish on saturday afternoon at about three o'clock in the afternoon remember in the summertime it gets dark at 4 30 so we would start and i'm not there's so many people on here right now watching that can vouch for this this is not i know you guys are going to go there's no way you did this because it's 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 hard to wrap your head around it we would start filleting at 30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, me and Spider, me and Kenny Smith, or me and Big Dave, or me and Gerald Spagdalini, and we would start filleting fish at 2.30 in the afternoon, and we would fillet fish until the sun would come up in the morning, and we wouldn't be done, and we would have to take the leftover fish and throw them in the fish hold, mm-hmm. put them on ice, and then pull them back out at 2 or 3 in the afternoon wow. on Sunday on our way in, from wherever we were fishing, and then we'd fillet from like let's say San Clemente Island all the way to the dock. And that would be a five-hour ride, because the boat does 10 knots and it's 50 miles. And we would fillet all the way to the dock. After we filleted all night on Saturday night, then here's how it would look in the morning on Sunday. Rock cod fishing. We didn't wear gloves because we were real men. The dumbest thing you've ever heard of, but that's how we ran the deal. We didn't wear gloves. And if you ever seen a rock cod, they, they, they look, they have a million spines on them. And then you fillet fish with no gloves. And I know that's silly. I would never do that today, but that's how we did it back. Cause we just thought we were real men and uh, your hands. You could barely even move them in by the morning of Sunday morning, filleting fish. You felt like you had arthritis and we were young. We were in our really early twenties <laughs> or late teens. And then the sun would start to creep up and we still had a monster amount of fish to fillet. And you'd look at the monster amount of fish and you'd start throwing them down in the fish hole as fast as you could. And then one of us would have to cut squid. You'd have to cut a couple five pound blocks of squid because the people were up having their coffee and they were ready to start fishing. them. we were on the spot and it was always gnarly rough, super rough. It was always gnarly rough, gnarly cold, and gnarly hours. And your hands just felt, like, horrible. And the first thing you'd have to do is pull the anchor. And back oh. then, <laughs> back then, there was, like, this, uh, oh, my God, nylon rope that was, like, splinters sticking out all over it. And your hands would just be, uh it was terrible. So, that's kind of what I did until, uh, Eighty five, eighty six.
1: Because you left the sport fishing industry.
2: Well, no, this was still eighty five, eighty six. Oh. I was, I went to work for my dad oh, now. Ba- okay, gotcha. I went back to work, and I was working with Tommy White, who runs the Dana Pride now. And Tommy White and I were partners together on the Seahorse, mm-hmm. and I had my captain's license, and I was Tommy's second. Okay. So on overnight trips, you have to have two captains, and then Tommy would always take off Thursdays and Fridays. So then I would run the boat on Thursdays and Fridays. So cool to be in charge. And then I would run the boat on Thursdays and Fridays, and Tommy's days off. And then we usually had a trip to San Clemente Island on Saturday and Sunday. And then we'd do double half day or twilights or something. And then we worked together. And then Tommy took the job on the Clemente because Doug Harmon retired. And then I took over the seahorse, I think. eighty-eight, eighty-nine, okay. something like that. And then
1: that must have been pretty exciting.
2: That was very exciting. Fishing San Clemente Island all the time as the captain running the boat. It was, it was some good times back in 87, 88, 89. And then as always, my father and I, we 1990, we had a big blowout. Mm -hmm. That's when uh, I had to look again at what I was doing in my life and make a decision. And I knew a guy named Frank Thomas who uh, ran a, Decorating company called Preferred Exhibit Services based out of Anaheim, California. And he said, Dave, you and your dad just fight all the time. This fishing thing, man, you need to try something else. And fishing's my blood and fishing's my passion. But I had my first son in uh, 91, Zachariah Keith Hansen. And uh, I made a decision at that time that I didn't want to not be there for my boys. I didn't want to not make their baseball games, their soccer games, their basketball games, whatever they were going to do. I wanted to be there because I knew what the effect was on me of my dad being a grinder and not being there. I mean, it was a mental thing on me. It still is today. So I left the fishing industry in 1991 and I went to work setting up trade shows and, and, uh, I didn't even know, remember back, I didn't have an education. I didn't even know how to spell trade show. All I ever did was work on the boats. That's all I'd ever done. So the next thing I know, I'm walking into a building, concrete floors and fluorescent lights and working for some people that were just gnarly. (laughs) They just were gnarly and it was a different world and I just had to, submit uh-huh. and go do something i knew nothing about and i worked in the trade show industry and i moved myself up the ladder very quickly uh-huh. and because i was like i cannot not be in charge i got to be in charge of something because <laughs> yeah. that's who i was and uh so i went to work at trade shows Local 831 trade show installer. I did that for 18 years.
1: And that allowed you to 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 really be, be there for my kids. kids. I didn't you are miss. a great dad. I say Dave is a phenomenal dad. So involved in his, both of his boys' lives and always has been since I've known him. And uh, you, well, thank you really you very are much. a good dad. And they're very blessed to have you as a dad.
2: So I didn't know how to be in a relationship either. I knew nothing about it. And uh, in 19... 19- 89, I was a complete mess. I mean, we went to 91 already, but in 89, I was a real mess. I was one of those people that you hear about, talk about, that you don't want to be around. So in 1989, I turned my will and my life over to the care of a higher power, and I got sober in 1989. I checked myself into a 30-day treatment program, and I've only gotten sober once. And that was in 1989, and I'm still sober right now. And Yay.
1: how how many years? It's
2: been? Thirty-five.
1: Well, because and that's it. That's that's very commendable, Dave. Um, it's and, it's funny because people I've had people come up to me and like jokingly ask, "What is he on?" You know what that? Oh my God, you know, because you're all over the place when you do a seminar. You're very loud, you know, and all, and just just going on 100 miles an hour. And I'm, they're very shocked when I say nothing. He's been sober for you know x amount of years, so that's that's pretty awesome, Dave.
2: Yeah, thank you. I know very, it's very tough sometimes. You. you know, you, you have
1: a lot of you know, but you you've done so well. That's very commendable. So very cool.
2: Well, what I did, and there's no secret to getting sober, gang. I AA all the way and going to meetings and. But the number one thing I think that helped me tremendously was I surrendered. When I decided to get sober, I was done. And I'm not trying to tell anybody else. I've only got my story. I don't have your story. I don't have your children's story. I only have my story. If anybody pushed me to get sober, I went the opposite way and would get really, it didn't work. You could not. and I'm just trying to help you. You can't get anybody sober. I can't get anyone sober. You can as a parent or you can't. The only person that can get the person sober is the person. I've been involved in AA for 35 years. i I work with a lot of different people and not that I'm anything special because God knows I'm not, but I'm just telling you, I've been blessed to surrender to this disease of alcohol and, and uh, addiction, and uh, I've been very lucky, and my life has changed tremendously, and I have a big value of life. During the time that I got sober, right before I got sober, my mom was not doing good. It was the end, and uh, I got sober, and my mom got to see me sober, which is one of my... one of my proudest moments. And then my kids, both of my boys have never seen dad drunk or drugged out of his mind. They've never seen that, which I think that's a big deal for me. All I got it. Like I tell and I'm not judging anybody out there. All I have is my story and it's just mine. And it's what I, and I'm sorry to get all emotional, but this is real stuff. So, I got sober, I had, we had our first child, Zach, and then I went to work in the trade show industry because I didn't want Zach to see, not ever see me. Yeah. And then, 93, we had Sean,
1: yeah.
2: which a lot of you have seen, he's been on the podcast, him and his wife, Jewel, and my little granddaughter, and my son has a son named Gavin, my grandson, my granddaughter, Zaya. All those things are super special and they mean more to me than any stupid ass fish ever. They fish are cool and I love catching them and I love killing them and I love eating them, but man, there's nothing better than your kids or your grandkids. I'm telling you and and my beautiful wife and all this is because I've decided not to drink or use no matter what, but um, we'll leave that right there on the shelf and you can call me or leave a message or. You can ask me anytime. I answer every question. I always talk to everybody.
1: I, I and you do. I know mean, you get a lot of calls from, from people and you you always, you know, stop and take the time to, you know, I don't know, talk to someone who might need help or looking for some guidance. I know that's always that's super cool about me. Well, you. thank you very I much. I really do. I think that's cool. Um But and you know what? Also, I just got to say, I couldn't imagine you. I couldn't. I don't think I would want to know you if you were drinking and doing drugs. Because you're hard. You're a handful as it is. I don't even. I couldn't imagine how you must have been. I mean, that's the honest truth, though.
2: It was a crazy time. I'll tell you, it was a crazy, crazy time (laughs) in my life. I
1: cannot imagine you being.
2: It was a crazy time, gang. Good for you. It was a crazy, (laughs) crazy time, but.
1: Yeah. uh,
2: all I can say is that everything I have today, everything I have is because I'm sober. It it can all go away just like that. It can all leave right there. I know she's not going to be here if I started using and drinking. I know that she's gone. I know Marley's gone. I know the cats are gone. Oh, and man, I know my kids, are gone. <laughs> my kids would never want to talk to me again because everything about me is about giving back to my family and my wife and my kids. I'm there for him no matter what. Whenever anybody calls, Riley, your son, I feel like he's my son, too. I will never let anybody down. And I'm not going to go back to that crappy life because it's a crappy life. And for me, it was. It didn't work. And I didn't want to. The last thing I wanted to do was be a dad
1: mm-hmm.
2: and be a drunk. And in, yeah. and a, I'm sorry, gang. Those of you that are your children are listening, but a drug addict. And mm-hmm. I was the worst. And I was the very, very worst. I would steal your stuff, and then we'd spend the day looking for it. I was a horrible human. I was, and I'm not that person anymore. And I haven't been that person for thirty plus years, and I don't want to ever go back. But it's just one. There's just one day away from going back to that crappy life. But I don't. Today, I'm not going back there. So well, let's
1: hope you don't.
2: All right,
1: love <laughs> so you don't ever go back,
2: so, so I did that trade show thing at a super high level, and I got to travel all over the United States mm-hmm. setting up trade shows and I got to go to Hawaii setting up trade shows and i I had a really good time and it gave me a great pension and great health care and allowed me to be there for my boys the whole time, you know,
1: and you made a lot of good friends. I
2: made a lot of good friends I got a lot of buddies that are watching this right now that are in the trade show industry that stand up. And goes can't believe that I'm the guy they used to work for. And they're just like, wow, look at Dave now.
1: <laughs> and then... Uh, so you left the trade show industry. You left, you, you stopped doing that and you went back. What did you do? How did you go? You ended up going back to fishing. Well, television. what
2: happened was my ex-wife and I got a divorce. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Zach turned 18. Sean pretty much was already... Leading the lifestyle yeah. of Dave Hansen already. so But Zach made it through high school and he graduated. And that was when I was like, I don't have to. I raised my boys. I was there for them and everything. And not that I'm the, I don't know, poop about sports, really. I watch them and I enjoy them. But I was uh, the coach of their basketball team, their baseball team, their football team, their soccer team. I didn't even know anything about soccer. I went to referee school to learn it. And the only reason I did all that, not so my kids could play, because that was the last thing I allowed them to do because they weren't any good at it. But I wanted to see them. I wanted to be there. I didn't coach them because my kids deserve to play. My kids didn't deserve to do I just wanted to be around them. I just wanted to be with the boys and I wanted to be with their friends and I wanted to watch them and see them grow up. My house was the house that all the kids hang, hung out at my house was where all the kids mm-hmm. you know I when know. you met me they were all hanging yeah. in our house oh, yes, <laughs> my house was the party house my house was where all, all the teenagers yeah. hung out you were the cool
1: cool dad
2: all the kids hung out at my house and I took all the kids when I decided to go back to the fishing thing it was because I had raised my children and I had done what I wanted to do but fishing was always my passion and I remember when I was in the trade show industry I would spend the first part of the morning, looking at the LA Times and the Orange County Register and reading the fish reports and then going on Phil's Freeman's website, 976TUNA, and seeing what all my buddies were doing. It was very, very hard for me because I was in the industry and I was so deep in the industry and then to step away from it. But it was a sacrifice that I made for my boys. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was I could easily have slid back into the industry anytime I wanted to. It's not like I didn't have a name because of my father. I already had a name established in the industry, but I stayed away from it and I didn't touch the industry at all. I didn't do anything in it at all. I just set up trade shows and traveled around the United States and I would work 12, 15 hours a day, seven days a week in the industry because I had never seen anything in my life where you got paid for every minute you were there. Yeah. I was a union trade show installer, <laughs> which goes, which is wild compared to the fishing boats where you worked. I remember when I first started working on the boats, like I said, we got a quarter of fish, but we were making like $12 a day Wow, for the day. Oh, my God. And you thought that was great money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden, I went to work in the trade show industry in 1992, 91, 92, and they would go, hey, you want to go late? And I was like, go late.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: sure, let's go late. And for me, being in the fishing industry, I'm like, that to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. They go, "Ah, oh, we're going to go to 6.30. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> and we're going to pay you. Those last two hours, we're going to give you time and a half. And I was like, you got to be ripped. Get me out of here. Try to get me out of here. Try to pry me out of here. You're paying me every second I'm here. And then the trade show industry on the weekends, you got paid double time. Wow. And that was incredible because in those days, I would get paid more in an hour than I would make all day on the boat, which was crazy. It was crazy, crazy, crazy.
1: But what was the one thing? That you hated about working in that industry?
2: Putting shoes on.
1: You had to wear shoes. Had to wear, you had to wear shoes. so shoes. I
2: Can don't wear shoes. I'm 61 <laughs> years old. I didn't
1: like shoes. I
2: didn't wear shoes when I coached my kids and everything they played. Their basketball. I didn't wear shoes. Soccer, football, you baseball. You
1: wore flip flops our wedding.
2: Nope. Yeah, I wore <laughs> flip flops to the wedding, but I was barefoot at every one of my kids' games. I was the coach. Tell people go. Oh, you got to put shoes on. I said, Well, then I'm not going to be. <laughs> We're not coming, but I'll tell you what, putting shoes on and walking that trade show floor, that is gnarly, man. That is gnarly. But I did it for a very long time, and I did it at the highest level that you could do it at. I was cruising around, having a great time, doing everything, being happy, go lucky, because I was, what I didn't understand, what made me so happy was every minute I was there, I was getting paid. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. So. All right. So,
1: well, so, so, okay. So you did that, you did that gig and then you, you you eventually got back into fishing.
2: Right. Hold on one second. We got to touch. We got to do this real quick. Okay. Hold on. Just hang (laughs) in there. Just hold on. Okay. Roasted anchor coffee company is a big part of our business and a big part of us. And, uh, (laughs) And Kelly girl has it every morning. She loves their coffee. She loves 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 the way it makes her feel and so watch this gang roasted anchor coffee company right here this stuff this is an incredible product this is the light roasted kelly loves the dark roasted i love the light roasted i have it every morning every morning it brings my energy level up allows me to do all these great podcasts for you and produce all these phenomenal videos that you get to watch every day, and it's all because of Roasted Anchor Coffee Company. So make sure you visit the website. I'm gonna throw the QR code up right now. Hey, gang. Thank you. And uh, the winner of the Roasted Anchor Coffee Company giveaway for the month of May is Donald Hampton. Thank you, Donald, for visiting the website, checking it out. And he didn't only visit the website, but he actually bought some coffee, too. But there was no purchase necessary. And Donald Hampton, we're going to get a hold of you, and we're going to send you your bag of free coffee and your Your Saltwater Guide t-shirt. So thank you very much. Gang, go check out Roasted Acre Coffee Company. Grab that QR code. Go over there. They're going to do the whole giveaway thing again this month for the month of uh, June. They're going to give away two bags of coffee, and all you got to do is visit their store. When you visit their store, Elliot—he's phenomenal human being. He's able to track who visits the store, and then we can grab your information. And then we're going to give away another couple. This time we're going to give away two bags of coffee, and we're going to give away another T-shirt. So please go check out Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, and let's get back to this great interview.
1: All right, okay. So I'm not sure where we were, but you were—you left the trade show business. You, did, you left. You went back into fishing. Do, you know, going back off, out on the water, tell us about
2: that. How what did you, how that, how'd you do it? What did you do? Well, I was. Uh, I have a little skiff in Dana Point Harbor. We still have it today. It's a 21-foot well craft with a big bait tank. I did not know Kelly Girl at the time, so I wasn't cheating on her or nothing. Oh. But I had a girlfriend who was the head of marketing for a company called Verizon, and she's the person that came up with the check mark. And I took her out on the skiff and I we went to uh, the buoy and looked at the sea lions. We saw some gray whales and then we went and caught some bass. And then I took them home and cooked them for her. And We had a nice dinner and she was all, wow, you know all this stuff. You should teach people this. And I was like, there is nobody on the planet that teaches you how to fish on your boat. It's well, there may have been, but there was and no one in Southern California. Mm-hmm. There was no one. So, she said, well, her eyes lit up. She's all, there's no one that does this? And I was all, no, there is no one that goes with you on your boat and teaches you. And she goes, well, you need to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, okay. I don't even know how we would get somebody to do to hire us to do that. Yeah. And To be perfectly honest, I was raising two boys. I was single, you know, recently divorced, raising two boys. Didn't have a lot of extra money. I know any of you in Southern California that are doing that kind of understand that. And uh, there was two publications at the time. And remember, 976 was just starting to do the digital thing, the the internet thing, because he was a call-in. Thing from 87, 88, where you called 976, but he didn't have any social media, or there was no, no social no. media. There was none of that. I had the log magazine or I had Western Outdoor mm-hmm. News. And so I told this lady, I said, well, I guess we could put an ad up in the log magazine because they didn't charge very much and I didn't have anything and there was nowhere else to, there was nowhere else to do this. There was nowhere else to do it. And, uh, There was no format to look at. And there was no other guides that were doing this. There was nothing out there, gang. And if you did it, if you were doing it before I started, congratulations. But nobody knew about you. So I put an ad in the log magazine. And then I remember the phone rang. (laughs) And I was blown away. The phone rang. And it was a man who became a very good friend of mine. Long time uh, client of mine and real good friend, and I watched his children grow up. Tony Sabatino, and I know you're watching Tony. You were my very, very first client, my very first saltwater guide client. We didn't even know what to call it back then.
1: Yeah, you so. didn't when you first started out. That no, was, you weren't your saltwater guide. You were there was no. I didn't Captain know what to call Captain Dave's like saltwater guide, Dave's guide service or something. Guides like that. Captain guide Dave's service. guide
2: service. Yeah. Captain Dave's guide service, but I didn't even know if this would work, and I and then. I was like, shh, I don't know what to charge.
1: Uh, this is funny. I, I have no
2: hard. idea what to charge. At the time where I left the sport fishing industry in in 91, uh, I was getting paid $65 a day as a captain to run the boat. $65 a day. So I'm thinking, if I could get these guy, I'm going to go on a yacht, first of all. How cool is that? And... I'm going to get to go fishing where I want to fish for what I want to fish for on someone else's yacht. I'm like, okay. I tell my, I tell my girlfriend at the time, I go, I'm going to charge a hundred dollars. And she goes, no, you're not. You're not charging a hundred dollars. And I'm all, I would be happy if someone paid me a hundred bucks to go with them on their boat, go fishing
1: for the day. So she thought that was too little. Yeah, that's
2: not enough. There's no way, you know, way too much. There's no way it's a hundred dollars. She's like, she wouldn't even get up in the morning for a hundred bucks. So we we decided, okay, she wanted me to charge 300. I said, I'll charge 200. And the phone started ringing. And it wasn't full speed. It wasn't wide open in the corner, million clients like I have now, but it was pretty good. And the phone was ringing and nobody said no. Wow. Nobody said, oh, $200, no. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> This is so cool. And she pulled me back and she said, Dave, you got to get the people to say no. Uh And I'm all, to me, that doesn't make any flipping sense. Uh I'm like, no, this is cool. People are giving me 200 bucks to go fishing on their boat with them. How grand is this? I'm like, no. And she goes, no, we got to slow down the phone. We got to slow down the phone. And I'm all, that doesn't make any sense. She goes, no, you got to charge more. And I fought that. And I was like, no. And she's all, yeah. So then we agreed on 300 bucks, <laughs> And 300 bucks, phenomenal. I was happy, happy, happy. And I was only charging 400 when I met you. And that was 17 years and ago. And you did
1: that. You charged that. that You're raising 400 for... And overnight, you would charge maybe 500 if you did overnight. And I was like, what? And you I, had, spend the overnight
2: I had super high-end clients that would spend 10 times that much mm-hmm. on lunch. And I was like really worried to tell them that I was increasing my price to 400 bucks or 500 bucks. I was freaking out. I was like so blown away. I don't don't know what to do. And these guys were like, here, they're giving me the money. And I was just blown away. And I thought this was cool. And everything was going good. and Life was good. And then I met a guy named Jeremy Mm -hmm. who owned a boat called the Liquid Coast Highway. And he goes. I had another good client that ended up being your boss, Mm -hmm. Bayport Yachts, and I did a ton of training for the guys at Bayport Yachts, and I did a ton of training taking people out on their brand-new boats and teaching them how to drive their boats. And I was teaching them how to fish on carvers, (laughs) which was crazy at the time. But, gang, when I jumped back into the industry, I jumped back in and that ad, and I just jumped right to the top, and then I had Phil Freeman call me up and ask me if I wanted to help him make a a, – Gold members thing. We started to work on that where you could call in to fill and get information on where the fish were biting on the, for the private boaters reports and all that stuff. But I'm jumping all around yeah, right now because right. I got you
1: made some videos so much you stuff. You made some videos back in the day. I don't know if this was, this was probably before. Like, Nin, no, in
2: 1992. Okay. And you got
1: caught a lot of flack for those videos, right? Don,
2: Don Brockman, my buddy Donnie, myself. Got together with a guy named Danny Jackson, and we made these production videos on VHS tape. And he wanted to know the spots. He wanted to know the spots at Catalina, San Clemente Island, the Orange County Coast, the Horseshoe, the Coronados. He wanted to know all these spots. He was going to make a library of videos, and he said, If you can give me your Orange County spots and your San Clemente Island spots, for each one of those videos, I'll give you three. Hundred dollars, wow. and I was like, three hundred whole <laughs> dollars. I'm in because remember, I was making sixty five dollars a day back then. If someone's gonna hand me three one hundred dollar bills to just go out and talk and be on a video, so we did this on VHS mm-hmm. back then.
1: And you had a mullet back then. If anybody <laughs> has seen these videos. You got to see Dave with a I had a big mullet. mullet. It was pretty...
2: And that was in 92, <laughs> right before I went... Right, 91, 92, right before I went into the trade show industry. Okay. And, uh, oh my gosh, the industry went bananas. Mark Wish had just published the book um, into-, into the Gray, right? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, he also had all the numbers in that book. He had all the numbers in the back. So Mark Wish... And Dave Hansen were the two most hated human beings. <laughs> they gave Don Brockman free pass. He was involved in it full speed. <laughs> and
1: then there but was another captain, though. Nobody said anything. Wasn't
2: there somebody else that wasn't Joe um... Bongos? Yes. Joe Bongos had the boat that we oh, okay. filmed on. Okay. He didn't know any of the spots. Oh, okay. He just okay. had a charter boat business. and He learned a lot by going out with Donnie and I. Okay. And then Pete Gray made the San Diego ones. With Danny Jackson. I mean, there was a lot of people involved.
1: So, a lot of people just didn't like that you did that. Like they oh, my gosh. Arrest, kind of I was like a, a
2: sellout. <laughs> I was a sellout, and I was like one of the most hated human beings on the planet Earth. And uh, there's still a bunch of super jealous people that hate me right now, but
1: well, I don't but, care. But, so, okay, well, I'm going to, well, let's, 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 we're going to talk, sorry, we're we're all gonna over talk the place. more about that.
2: So and we're going way past the, yeah, the one-hour hour mark, that. folks. You so if you have to, watch, to go to work, to go you can listen enjoy. to this. <laughs> you can listen to this on Spotify, Apple, Megaphone. You can watch it later, those of you that have to get back to work. But we still got to probably half an hour, 45 minutes of stuff we're going <laughs>
1: to. And we, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I don't, I've don't. i never done this before, so I'm just, like, all over the place. You're all over the place. You're always. I'm right always there. all over okay, the place. Okay, so when you were – let's go back to the Liquid Coast Highway with Jeremy. You started doing um, – you started – started kind of a new thing well the last
2: thing i wanted to do was have a full-time i was loving doing the guide thing and doing what i want and answering the phone and going out with you on your boat and having a good time and the really cool thing and i'm a i'm heavily into maintenance and i love the boat being perfect and i love it being clean and i love it looking good and smelling good when you'd go out on it but all of a sudden, I didn't have to do any of that when I was on the boats. when I was a guide. Yeah. I would just get on your boat in the morning flip-flop shorts and a t-shirt. And maybe you bring a windbreaker or a sweatshirt. And then I'd step off in the afternoon with 300 whole dollars in my pocket. You didn't
1: have to help. I didn't have to clean the boat.
2: the boat. I didn't have to get it stocked. Didn't have to get it ready. And then Jer- Jer- Jeremy called me up and asked me if I would go to work for him on the Liquid Coast Highway. Mm-hmm. And I was... I couldn't say no. I've never. I don't know how to I say know. no. How to say no? So I was like, "Yeah, I'll come to work for you." And he had a couple other captains that thought that they should have the job and I shouldn't, and they were really butthurt. hurt. Oh. And they're still butthurt hurt today, even though it's 25 years later. They still sure. got a chip on their shoulders, and that's okay. They're running sport boats for a living, and I don't really worry about them too much. But
1: so, what'd you do on the local Coast Highway? What we ran.
2: I told Jeremy, if we're going to do this charter boat business, let's approach it in a different way. Because at the time, there was a whole bunch of charter boats in San Pedro, Long Beach Harbor that were six-pack charter boats going after the white sea bass. And uh, I was like, dude, we just need to go to concierge at the hotels and just take people fishing. We don't need to go target white sea. There's already nine boats doing that. And some of them are very, very good, like Alan Watson. He's like one of the very best in the business. And we're going to go try to compete for that small amount of charter boat business. There's no reason for that. We can do it at a different angle or we can just take people and go fishing and have fun. And all of a sudden that just took off and we were doing that. And then uh, 2007, 2006, 2006, 2007, I decided to buy in part of the boat with Jeremy. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they decided to make diesel go to $5 a gallon. From like 2.20 to $5 a gallon that year and that year the dolphin were holding tuna between San Clemente Island and Catalina so we were we started out we were charging you 1300 bucks for a six pack charter and we were burning $1500 in fuel. Wow. I know I was there. <laughs> I was fueling the boat. We couldn't get in front of the price of the fuel. We could not get you. Let's just say Kelly and her friends charted the boat, and I told you it was thirteen hundred because we're fuel surcharge. If you remember back then, diesel was going up ten cents a day. It was going up so fast, and you could not get in front of the price of the fuel. And I couldn't go back to my charter boat guest and say, "Hey, you know, I told you twelve. I was only kidding. I need I need eighteen hundred because." If you're running a business, the whole idea of running a business is to kind of try to make money. Right. But I was run I think we ran ten or twelve trips that year where we actually paid to take you fishing, (laughs) which is not a good business plan. So we came out of that year Mm -hmm. upside down, still needed to make the boat payment, still needed to pay for the insurance, had to pay for the dock, and I didn't know what to do. Except that I knew that me and my kids would go in the winter, we would go hoop netting. And I know a lot of you believe in your heart you started the whole taking people hooping for a living thing, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. We started it in nineteen, our two thousand and seven. We ran our very first hoop net open party. Give you all the beer you can drink and all the pizza you can eat. Six hours of hoop netting in Long Beach Harbor for a hundred dollars a person. Wow! And. I didn't know anything about it (laughs) and i didn't know how to fish long beach harbor and i didn't why did i choose to fish long beach harbor because the boat was in long beach harbor and we didn't have any fuel we didn't have anything we didn't have any money we bought a bunch of old used hoop nets before i got involved with promar and they became my number one sponsor before all that before kelly's big lobster we tried to put together this thing and I worked with Phil Freeman at at Let's Talk Hook... Excuse me, Phil Freeman at 976TUNA and we put this thing together and we started taking people hoop netting and it went absolutely bananas and it went super... In the words of social media, it went viral when there was no social media. There was no viral back then. But um, I was doing... The call-ins every day on Let's Talk, or on 976-TUNA. I was calling in every day, and I was uh, telling everybody about hoop netting and going hoop netting. Todd Manser, our good buddy. There you are. We talked about you a little while ago, bud. But uh, I started teaching people hoop netting, and then uh, lo and behold, this young lady right here goes and does something Unbelievable. She goes and catches the biggest lobster ever caught in the state of California in a hoop net. And she gave it to the aquarium in Long Beach. It weighed 18 and three quarter pounds. And all of a sudden, every news channel on the planet was talking about hoop netting. And there was no boats to go hoop netting on except for one. The liquid we were the only one. And, and I know you say you did, you did it before I did. Well, you forgot to tell anybody. So we were the only one. So all of a sudden, our business exploded. And I remember that first year, we ran 52 trips, hoop netting in a business that had never existed before. And uh, we were off to the races. And then Promar approached me and asked me if I wanted to start promoting their hoop nets. And uh, I'll tell you, it was really fun and it was really good. It allowed me to work every night in the wintertime. And I was working every night. Because if I wasn't going on the liquid Coast highway then I was going with you because I still had my guide service business there was no downtime for me because I like Kelly girl says I don't know how to say no
1: yeah when I first met you and and then up until I mean just until we you know came here you were so- so much you were I very rarely saw you. it's part of why we got along so well because we hardly <laughs> ever saw each other but no I'm just kidding but I mean you worked you would get up at like three thirty in the morning and it, it was forever be freezing cold and you had to go get on somebody else's somebody you didn't even know on their boat and I, I always thought how did he how did they do that I mean you had to like really put on the Dave Hansen show all the time and you would work late and it was but i would like,
2: get in at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning and then i didn't have to go to work till three so yeah, that was cool to get that two and a half hours off that was pretty spectacular <laughs> yeah
1: you worked and it was flipping
2: cold hoop yeah, netting, but yeah. i didn't own any shoes so i'm hoop netting if yeah. you look at the old pictures i was hoop netting and flip i was hoop netting and bare feet and i that's just how i've lived my whole life but you find, hey! Hey! Welcome to the show, Marley.
1: <laughs> so go. So back to your. So uh, your guide service.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I was doing the guide service and the Liquid the Coast Liquid Highway, Highway at the same time. And then
1: you eventually you left Liquid Coast Highway. You parted ways and you started just focusing on your guide service, right? Well, no.
2: I was doing the Liquid Coast Highway. I was doing the guide service, and I met Steve Morgan.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: And I that met right. Steve Morgan, who ended up becoming my boss for nine years. Uh-huh. And he had a boat. He had a little tiny oh, black, black watch. watch. Mm-hmm. He had a little black watch. And I used to go f- take him and his friends out fishing on that as part of the guide service. And then one day, he called me up and he said, hey, we want to get a bigger boat. We want to start doing multi-day trips. We want to we want to get a full-time captain. We want to do this. We want to do that. Remember, I still didn't want a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> I still love doing the guide service and going with all these different people. And I have so many really, really, really good friends mm. that i met from the guide service thing. And they're, they're friends today. And I've watched, I've gone to their children's weddings and watched their ch- children have children. And mm. I've got to do so many cool stuff because of the guide service thing and being around so many people. But I
1: want to stop you there because I w- w- want to bring something up. You, uh, be, you are, the, you became the first Person to possess a, you, you're, you're the first licensed guide in California? Yeah. For saltwater. Saltwater, saltwater guide. Saltwater guide. Saltwater guide. The, the, but the fishing game, or they didn't even know how to, they wanted to, what, like, they said you had to have a license, but they really didn't know how what kind of license you needed. Well,
2: here's what happened.
1: I don't, I don't know. You I'm explain. sorry. You explain. Let's go. I just think that's really
2: interesting. Hey, Marley. let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. We got a little farther ahead of ourselves because this is amazing. You need to hear this part of the story to understand. So I have a really, really good friend, Jason, who's going through major problems right now. You saw the post. He's the owner of Bloody Decks and Fish Dope. He came to me one day and he said, and Kelly and I were playing around We were by no means were we as serious as we are today on social media, but we were playing around with their website called Bloody Decks. Kelly was the most famous female on Bloody Decks at the time. It's called BD Outdoors now, but she was super famous. Everybody knew her. That's kind of how I got to know her. That's oh, kind of how, oh, okay. yeah, because you sent me the picture of your big giant lobster. Oh, okay. And that's kind of how I yeah, got to know. Yeah, which I it. caught
1: that lobster before. Before I'm we crazy. met each other, a lot of people don't know that, but
2: it still helped my business yeah, out tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> but, um,
1: <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs>
2: but I'm sorry. Back to what we were talking about. So, Fishdope. Jason and Ali were building a company called Fish Dope at the time, which was a spinoff of Bloody Decks, where informational based website they needed information they asked me if i would come over there and play and i was like wow i don't know bloody decks it's kind of it's kind of gnarly over there for guys like myself because whenever we post you get like nine thousand million negative people telling me i don't know what i'm doing which in the beginning was hard because i had never seen that Mm -hmm. i'd always been the person that people wanted to have with them and then all of a sudden to see all this hate Mm -hmm. was just hard to wrap my head around because when I put my ads out and when I went with people on their boats and I got to go with a bunch of super kind people and then all of a sudden the mind numbing amount of hate over there on bloody decks was just
1: unbelievable I mean you you didn't you were at a disadvantage from the beginning because you are Don Hanson's son and a lot of People, oh, yeah. Father, I'm a silver, or, still think silver that spooner. Have, I
2: possess zero talent.
1: Well, and they think that you have ridden on your father's coattails, but you really haven't. I mean, right. you have well, you, a name, you name, but that's about it. You listened to the
2: story. I didn't really work for him that much.
1: Right. But you didn't. I mean, you did everything. You were kind of my separate. Way. I mean, you were separate from the business. You've always been separate since I've known you. Um, and you've done things on your own. You've worked, you know, you kind of got where you are because of you and your hard work and determination Thank and you. drive. And
2: Thank you very much. I kind of feel that way too sometimes. But I'm telling you, it was really scary over there because I didn't get an education and I'm not a good speller and I'm not a great defender of me and I didn't understand all the hate. It, I'd never seen it before. So the amount of hate, on that site was mind boggling to me and uh jason and Ali promised me that they would get rid of the hate if i came over there and helped them establish fish dope and like i always say an informational based website is phenomenal if it has information but they needed information they needed my contacts they needed to get in with the guys that i knew and and uh they they do fine right now. They have a great website. Don't get me wrong. I I just kind of helped them in the beginning stages. Their website is all that in a bag of chips, and I'm not going to take anything away from it. They have a phenomenal website with lots of really good information. But in the very beginning, I'm just telling you. So they told me that they would give me protection on Bloody Decks when I would post. And I used to do a tip of the week on Bloody Decks for them every week. I did a tip of the week. And... uh then we started to play with the haters. We started, Jason and Ollie and I would play with the haters and we'd allow them because what I've learned, especially now with getting 30, 40 million views a month, the hate is, that pushes the algorithm like to the moon. And <laughs> all these people telling me I don't know how to fillet a fish and I don't know how to tie up a boat and I don't know how to park a boat and all the things I don't know how to do, they phenomenal. Those They allowed us to live. We're living a pretty good lifestyle by the hate, and um, but in the beginning it wasn't like that because I didn't understand it, and it and it got me and it caught me off guard and it, it really affected me tremendously in the beginning and I was afraid until Jason and Ali allowed me protection over there and then we started to use bloody decks like a, a ATM machine. Oh. <laughs> because I would post my guide service stuff over there and I would do whatever I wanted to do and they gave me full protection and it worked really well and I became super, super famous from that with the San Diego guys and, and uh, the haters. They came out of everywhere, every orifice on the planet and uh, I was told that I ruined fishing all over, the, all over Southern California because I was allowing private boaters to catch fish on their private boats. And how dare I? Give away the secrets of the sport boat industry, which is ridiculous because I don't. The number one thing I teach all of you to do is don't fish for boats, don't stay away from the sport boats, don't go near them. We don't fish for sport boats, and uh, that's just the way it is. And uh, oh my gosh, Sean Hansen's Sean on Nelson, here.
1: Christian,
2: Holy Christian, Christian yes, John, I haven't seen him oh in forever. God, we got a lot of big names on here today. Yeah, Thanks everybody for being a part so, of this. But
1: so let's let's bring it back to. I'm sorry, what I I'm all let's, over okay, the place. We're going to stop with the haters now. Yeah, all the haters okay. we give too much attention. But you do have a lot. You <laughs> have quite a few, and it is. So different. you know you're doing
2: something right if you well, got that yeah, many haters. It, yeah.
1: So, but it is it is funny. I laugh when I, I some of these people will ask. You know, will say. You have no idea what you're doing in the comments, and I'm thinking, do these people know, you know, know how they have no how idea. long you've been working and all the stuff you've done, and just but anyway, we don't want to talk about that anymore.
2: No, so they already had you... their time. <laughs> they already had their time in the sun. So
1: you did your, you're doing the guide service, and then you got uh you got a job on uh, yeah. I met
2: Steve Morgan and I started, and we got we went to Cabo and we looked at that 65 Hatteras, the wild insect. At the time, it was called the movie Muli Salsa. And uh
1: and that's a uh sixty five foot that's hatteras
2: exact same boat as the boardroom. As They're Todd built managed. side by side, sister ship. I think he's hole number two and we're hole number three wow. or something like that. Todd knows. I'm not a big history buff, but Todd knows. And uh <laughs> Oh Jewel and Jewel uh-huh. and Zay are there. Oh, nice. nice, thank you guys there's, for watching. Hey Peggy, <laughs> everybody's here today. Hey, Thank Peggy. you. So, oh, cool. so, so anyway, Steve offered me a job you got running job on the, the
1: Wild and sad. and so oh, now
2: I got to, I got to do something with all these people.
1: Right. So my guide
2: get, service was going nuts, and I had like fifty or sixty.
1: So you got really offered.
2: close personal friends that only went fishing when I went with them on their Vikings or on their yeah. hatteresses or. I got to go on a lot of beautiful boats, but these I guys. Got to
1: go on a lot of beautiful boats too. These guys
2: didn't want full time captain. They liked the guide service experience where I would come and bring everything, and we'd go kill a bunch of fish, and then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Then I got that job. You got on. the
1: job. Okay, tell us about that. And
2: so, <laughs> this became a full time deal all the time because there were three owners on the boat, three families. They all wanted to go and they all wanted to have fun and they all wanted to catch fish and they all wanted to go to Catalina and they all wanted. <laughs> then they found out that I was lobster guy. Mm-hmm. and They all wanted to fish that lobster in the wintertime. So there was like no downtime. Liquid Coast Highway was running all. I mean, the wild Sack was running all the time. We were doing everything. And then 2015, that bluefin showed up. Mm-hmm. And then we started learning how to fly the kite because of my good buddy, Jeff Richardson, showed me how to tie the fly the kite. Todd Manser showed me how to fly the kite. Todd Manser caught a fish right underneath my feet. I was standing on the bow, of the wild insect, and he was on the boardroom. We were fishing side by side which we have done since we were little kids. And he pulls up next to me and he goes, watch this, and he throws his kite in the air, drags a sardine right underneath my feet, catches a yellowfin tuna right underneath my feet off the kite. But that allowed me to work an extraordinary amount of hours extraordinary amount of hours my average day was 18 hours that was a short day and I'm not lying and then we decided to use the boat as a charter boat on top of the three owners so there was no downtime at all we were constantly just hitting the dock and going back out it was a full it was just like a uh, San Diego long-range boat type of thing it was never ever stopped the people would be on the dock the owners would be there with their sleeping bags to take the place of the people when they would come uh-huh. off. Shayla was my deckhand. Max was my deckhand. Mike Maddox was my deckhand. Chase was my deckhand. I went through a lot of crew members, but it required a phenomenal amount of hours.
1: But those, those like, I'm just going to talk about your, your, like, your deckhands that you had, like Shayla and Mike Maddox, Max, Chase. Um, they were all you lucked out. Yeah, I got them. you lucked out. It's not like they itself. Well, know, it they helps pretty, when you're the guy that hires. They had great. Work
2: ethics and... Um, and I'm probably not the easiest human to work for.
1: Because I'm who
2: I grew up with. As you heard the stories an hour and a half ago when we were talking about Mike Thompson and my dad and the people that I worked for growing up as a kid. That's how I ran my boat. Mm-hmm. The same way that I was taught. Yelling, screaming, throwing <laughs> stuff. I couldn't imagine like a jackass. working for you. I, could, um, I couldn't.
1: No. But... I got, I got fired.
2: So... I fired. <laughs> Anyway. There are so many people that I left on the dock.
1: Left that, on meaning... Yeah,
2: that didn't oh, have a guide. They would yeah. call me and I couldn't go work for them. So five years ago, we built the website, mm-hmm. Your Saltwater Guide.
1: Do you remember the begin? So let's talk about the very... When you first came up or, you know, you had the site, you started the website. And, and I remember, like, we were talking and I remember, like, you were... We were blown away when you had.
2: Well, we thought it would be cool. We thought it would. You and I really thought it would be something extraordinary. Yeah. To have a hundred people.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, but that was. I was inside. Inside, I was like,
2: right. Extraordinary. Not that I wasn't
1: confident, but I just.
2: Like, Four ninety nine a month is what we were charging back then. We didn't know there was no one else that had ever done it before. So, and I know there's a. Smorgasbord of websites. Now you can go on there, you're going to get way better information than you'll ever get from me. Well, because
1: you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. Your knife is not too dull. And I don't <laughs> know how to tie up a boat. <laughs>
2: and you can get extraordinary information from people that have been fishing for like an hour that are going to give you Right. Really so, good info. anyway,
1: you, went, we, you had, so talk about that. So, like, Cameron,
2: um, my nephew, and I, we put together a plethora, I think we had 30 or 40 videos at the time all like five, six minute videos of stuff that I thought you needed to know that I thought would be cool for you to know. And we put the website together and we launched it at the Fred Hall Show. Mm -hmm. We launched it at the Fred Hall Show in Long Beach. And Bart and uh, Mike Lum helped me tremendously, gave me a booth to launch the website on. No one had ever done this before. There was no other website to go off of, to look at, to teach you how to fish in Southern California. There wasn't. And there wasn't. And I'm sorry, there wasn't. And I cover everything from the private boat to the sport boat. We'd cover it all on our website. Now we have over 500 videos on the website and we're constantly updating it. But back five years ago, we were just blown away. Mm-hmm. People started to sign up and we just couldn't even believe it. Right. Just like when I started my guide service thing with the log magazine, the log. If you look that up, you'll go, oh my gosh, this was this. This was all the advertisement I had. <laughs>
1: I remember And you advertised in the PCS magazine. I well, remember. yeah, after. big,
2: deal. But after we started making some <laughs> right, money and we had some money. Deal. But yeah, And Bill let me have an ad in there and people <laughs> got my number off of that ad. And one of my good clients, Scott Archer, mm-hmm. that came to be a good buddy and we went on a lot of great fishing trips together. He got my number off the ad at Pacific Coast Sport Fishing. And I had a picture of Kelly Girl in there with their <laughs> big yellowtail that she caught at Barge Rock right yep. in front of Todd Manser. Todd was running the Dana Pride that day. There's so much history. But my son and his wife, and they've gone on on the boats with us. They're both of my boys. And my granddaughter hasn't been out on the boat. My grandson hasn't. That'll happen, and you guys will all see it, and it'll be <laughs> filmed. But back to what we were talking about, the website. So the reason I put it together was because I left all these people calling me all the time, begging for me to go with them. Not begging us. You billionaires had, and millionaires don't beg. You
1: even had a, a client who asked if I could go with them on their boat. To, uh, because, I, I mean... I To show them
2: the Dave Hanson way.
1: I, I was like, oh, no, I don't think so. But that was hilarious. I'll never forget that. You remember
2: that? Oh, yeah. I
1: remember. I don't know if it's because they thought I knew a lot or they just thought
2: no, I'd you, you fun.
1: I don't know. You could
2: give my seminar. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I could. You could.
2: You know it. You know what we're talking about. You know... It's entertaining and it's fun, and we run around. Well, I've learned a lot, time. Of,
1: ton of stuff for me. So, so your so your website today is. Did you ever think it would be where it's at today?
2: No, it's pretty incredible. This year, I made a huge commitment to all of my members, and those of you that aren't members yet, you're gonna, because of the members, you're gonna be, you're gonna be blown away. I built an app this year, and I don't know, if you guys know what it costs to build an app, but. Just go look, go and look, see what it costs. I took really, I'm a fisherman and we don't have a lot still. I mean, I do okay. We eat some good food and we have a pet monkey. So yeah. I guess you made it if you have a pet monkey. But <laughs> I built an app for you guys so that it make it easier to use this really bitching website. And the website is pretty spectacular. Your saltwater guide and on the app. And let me see if I got. Yeah, you can get the QR code for the app. If you think that, hey, I'm tired of sucking at fishing and I really don't want to suck anymore, you can grab that app right there. You can go check out my website. You can call me up at 949-374-0786. I will answer the phone. Do not put your credit card in. Do not leave the website without calling me. I'll give you a free look. You can go in there and check it all out and see if my stuff's real. You could talk to my 4,000 plus members.
1: That is something I think is so cool about you. And I, I mean, I'm here. I hear you all the time on the phone and you actually, you answer the phone when some a, a new member calls or, you know, somebody has a question. You're always there to help. And I mean, you just, you'll, you'll, you're always there, you know, you're always available for them. And I think that's pretty cool.
2: And that's and a lot. They're
1: blown away too when you answer the phone. They're like, this Dave Hanson They're Captain Dave?
2: My and... favorite thing is if you leave your phone number, when you sign in, there's an area to leave your phone number. If you leave your phone number, I'm calling you. If you don't leave your phone number, it's impossible. I can't, my ESPN, we didn't pay the bill this no. month, so we don't have any ESPN. <laughs> but um, if you don't leave your phone number, I can't call you. But if you do leave your phone number, that is probably one of my highlights of my day. When I call you, and you answer the phone and you are absolutely blown away that I called you. That makes me feel so bitching And he's and not
1: lying. I hear him on the phone and he ha- he has so much enthusiasm and he's just, he's tickled pink. I mean, I'm really? blown away <laughs> that you're
2: so excited that you get to talk to me. I'm nothing. I'm just some They're dumb old fisherman. you excited to
1: explain the site. Oh, that, I want to give you a you're full. You're so proud of it. I want
2: That's to give awesome. you a full tour of what I've built in the community section on there. If you remember what we were talking about 20, 30 minutes ago about Bloody Decks and how that um, that hatred over there and the hate. And there's a lot of hate on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all those places that you allow social media and you allow people to go in there and attack you. You're going to get that hate. But what I promise you is on our web, Your Saltwater Guide, and I call it our website because I built it for all of us, the members. And I mean, when you break it down and you think about it. If you really, I know it's hard to imagine, but if you stop for a minute and you went $9.99 a month, dude, come on. That's nothing in the scheme of things. My God, the the cup of water that I'm having right here costs $9 a Just 99. to be able to pick up the phone
1: and call you and talk to you is
2: worth 9 dollars Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> but, gang, the information you're going to get, all yeah. the plethora of spots like we talked about an hour and a half ago when Don Brockman and I made those spot videos back in 1991, 92, I still have all those spots, and plus a bunch that I stole from Todd and from all the other captains <laughs> that I've ever worked with I stole all their spots, and I have them available to you on the website. All this stuff is available to you at the website, gang. I built the most coolest place to be protected. You can go in there. You can share information. Mike Lewis, he's always there helping all the guys. Gang, thank you, Mike. Don't forget to put some stars on this video if you like it. Go to Facebook, stars. Sprinkle some stars on here, gang. Kelly and I will appreciate the stars like you can't even believe. The views are mind-boggling. The amount of views we get on a daily basis. Right now, I just showed Kelly a stat for this month, for this week. In seven days on Facebook, we've had over seven million views.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. on Facebook.
2: It's, it's, That's it's, not TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, my, Megaphone, Apple. That's just one platform, Facebook. For but, some reason people are getting Well, I mean
1: I was gonna say, but you really don't know what you're doing. So. Right. It's it's all haters. I'm amazed that you're
2: it's all stuff. haters going over there <laughs> to hate on Captain Dave and the really fun thing for me is the people that actually think I really care about how they tie up their boat. Aww. I think that's funnier than hell. They'll spend hours. They've got one video that's got four and a half million views on how to tie up your boat and probably Four, well,
1: you know.
2: four million of those people want to tell me how they do it. Well, yeah, that's rad. That's rad.
1: That's they rad. bought us
2: a bitchin' truck.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna end this soon. No, yeah, no. I
2: got so much more. To you guys know I'm
1: sure you you always have so much to say. Uh, and if you had to describe yourself, or I have actually two questions. So if you were gonna go could go on one more fishing trip, and that was it, just one more for the rest of your life, just one more. Where would you go, and who would you fish with?
2: I would take you to San Clemente Island.
1: Oh, but you wouldn't take me. You would take me, okay. for real.
2: I'd take somebody I like. I'd take Marley. <laughs> take, take Marley. You no,
1: know what I mean, who? No,
2: I would love to take my family. Yeah. I would love to have, like, a oh. big Hatteras or something, and I'd like to take Sean and Zaya and Jewel, Zach and Talia, and...
1: Uh, Riley.
2: I'm not done.
1: Oh, <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to go, but... <laughs>
2: And Zach's son and Gavin Gavin Mm -hmm. and Riley and his girlfriend and you and me. And I'd like to go spend a week at San Clemente Island and show you all the beautiful places that I've fished there since I was a little kid and show you all the cool things and go dive in there and, get all the cool seafood that lives there and show you all the beautiful places. San Clemente Island is... It's,
1: it's very special to you. One of my
2: very most favorite places on the planet Earth. So that's what I would want to do if I got to go do that. Okay. That's where I would want to go and take you and my family and show you all oh, the cool stuff. We'd love that.
1: That would be great. And then I was going to ask you if you had to describe yourself, you, in one word. How would you describe get Again, one word to describe you, Dave Johnson. What would
2: you terrified
1: terrified okay that's honest
2: yeah i'm constantly worried that this whole thing's going to end someday that it's all just a big fantasy and it's not real because i am so blown away by where we're at right now compared to where we were at Mm -hmm. when i met you Mm
1: -hmm. oh my god when i met dave he had nothing can i tell him the truth you were going through a bankruptcy that's the truth you had nothing I had no idea who you were, like who you really were. Like, I didn't know about your your family. I didn't know what the Hanson name meant. I, I really didn't. It wasn't until years later. But, so yeah, you, you, you worked hard for what, where you are now on your own. And, I mean...
0: I basically... Nobody, been, nobody
1: gave you any breaks. No,
0: i
2: basically mm-hmm. been doing this on my own my whole life, struggling and doing what... And when I met Kelly Girl... We didn't get to shop at the grocery store. We shopped at the 99 cent store, period. There wasn't no going to,
0: there wasn't.
2: I shopped at the 99 cent store in El Toro. That's where we shopped. That's where Zach and Sean shopped. They didn't, they know. We shopped at the 99 cent store. We didn't have any money. But what I promised when I had those boys was that it was never going to be a time where I wasn't going to be, the provider and I wasn't gonna hustle and I wasn't gonna make sure that I made sure that they had the best life you, they could possibly have.
1: You provided a great life for all of us. I mean, that, you always that was always that's your priority and you've always lived up to that.
2: And it's none of this is possible without all of you. And I really appreciate all the members of the website. And I and I know I'm asking a lot when I ask for your nine dollars and ninety nine cents to become a member of the website, but understand it's not going to some corporation. It's not going anywhere. It's going to Kelly and I and and the kids and the grandkids and the monkey and the kitties. There is nobody else. It's me. I built the, every bit of this thing myself. All the videos are mine. I made all of this stuff possible. I'm the grinder. I've been grinding on this. Kelly girl does all the spell checks and she spends wow. hours and hours making sure that I don't put out stuff that looks like garbage. She is my head editor. She makes sure that I don't say stupid right. stuff. And sometimes Elliot, he gets
1: things past that I don't see. <laughs> so
2: yeah, if the spelling's wrong, it, it wasn't I didn't see it. But I'm blessed to have a guy like Elliot in my corner, yeah, too. Elliot has really taken me to, to the thing. next level. Yeah. But I don't take any of this for granted, and I don't take any of you for granted. That's why when you call, I answer your calls every time, and there's not one person on here that's watching And we've had up to 200 people watching today that can say that I didn't answer their calls. The one thing I can tell you all, though, is if you don't call and if you don't leave me your number, I cannot get a hold of you. There's absolutely no way. And my website's not for new boaters. It's got everything you could possibly want to do to be successful to catch fish in California or Mexico or Florida or wherever you're fishing at. We cover it all. We have everything for you to be successful. I can promise you that, but you'll never, ever, ever have some corporate person call you. You'll never have anybody. It's going to be me or Kelly.
1: It's probably going to be you, most likely. And you, I will say that you are—you are definitely a hustler.
2: Like you, you
1: are always thinking ahead. You're always working. You're just—I mean, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm so proud of you because I—I I, I don't want
2: to let my family down.
1: And yeah, well, we appreciate you very much. We really do. And, and all of your members and your friends, everybody just.
2: Gang, one more time. We'll throw that QR code back up I'm there. If you, I won't. <laughs> if you don't want to, if you don't want to suck at fishing, if you just, you want to see something really cool, check out my app, check out my website. I'm not asking you for a penny. I'll give you a free look. If you call me.
1: Yeah, you really really will. Free,
2: free. There's no way I can't. Just because you called me doesn't allow me to get in your bank account. God, if it did, I'd be a billionaire. I got a lot of billionaires phone numbers. But uh, you got to reach out if you want to be successful. You got to hustle if you want to be successful on this planet. One thing I can promise you, and I talked to a couple of people this morning about this, and they're all, how do you do that? How do you get so many views? When my eyes open in the morning... First thing I do is grab the iPad Mm -hmm. and I start looking at all the people that have left comments. And I go, I start at Facebook, then Instagram, then TikTok, then YouTube. Then I go. The minute I'm done at YouTube, I'm right back to Facebook. And the whole time I'm doing that, I'm also thinking about what content I'm going to do because I've been doing this podcast now for three years. Wow! Live been that long since the whole
1: the whole the whole the
2: whole whole thing where they (laughs) shut down the world. We started doing this podcast when they shut down the world. We were doing two a day back then. But I'm—I the, believe—and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I'm the only human being on the planet that does a live podcast five days a week. And I, why I'm answering the questions and answering all the comments, I'm thinking about what am I going to talk about today? How am I, and my my buddy Jimmy Kingsmill said, "How in the hell do you have stuff to talk about every single day?" <laughs> Because I'm passionate about what I do, and that's why I answer your phone calls when you call me, because I want to talk about fishing. If I'm not fishing, I want to go fishing, and if I'm fishing, I want to go fishing, and I want to be with my family. And I want to be with my granddaughter, my grandson, and my kids, and I just, I don't know. I love my life. I have the greatest life in the world right now. And thank you all for allowing us to have this great life. Yes, thank thanks you. for watching thanks this. Thanks for
1: watching. Yeah. this is.
2: This hopefully is you got life. a better understanding of who the heck I am. And maybe we'll lose all our followers. Now.
1: I know. Huh? Oh, no. No way. No way.
2: Well, thank you, sweetheart. You're
1: welcome. My pleasure. And make me My try pleasure. again. Thank
2: Zach, everyone. Sean, everybody, thank you so much for watching. And thanks for all your comments. And thanks for everything. Uh, Roasted Anchor Coffee Company, thank you for supporting our show and thank you for being a part of it. Thanks for supporting all of our our viewers.
1: thank you for being so good.
2: (laughs) Promar, Akuma, Sport Fishing, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance, thank you all for being a part of the show. Thank you for everything you guys do and I'll I'll see you all tomorrow. Don't forget, we got Rick Maxa from uh, Let's Talk Hookup and... uh, part owner of Fisherman's Landing Tackle. Rick will be with us tomorrow, and I know we're going to talk about tackle. I know that for a fact. So thank (laughs) you, everybody. I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be kind to each other. And turn off the news. They're all lying.